listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. And it's true. This is, we're two and a half years or so into straight out of Vegas. I don't think I ever said the words Tim Tebow on air. If it would have been years before, that's all people talked about. So we'll get our chance at this. And I think it could mean something. It could be more than just a curiosity and off the NBA. I mean, the regular season, eh. You could say it dragged out some. I mean, I just can't wait for that Pacific Division bet to resolve in a good way. <laughs> but it's starting. The seriousness of it, the intensity of it, is picking up. And this playing tournament is going to be fascinating because you're going to have the naysayers. But I think it's not only helped with the teams. Uh, I think where it's helped the most is teams that would have been out of it and maybe tanking. They just can't tank now. And thus, you just got more competitive games and or at least more effort. And we'll get to that. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we still await the news out of Green Bay regarding Aaron Rodgers and whether he'll be back or whether he'll be elsewhere. And we've also got plenty of NBA action coming up later on tonight. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Well, have you... You know, some radio shows, Jonas, they do like a think, like a high-level think piece on two topics that don't seem particularly related, and then they weave them together. Now, I, I can't do that, but I think you can, because I'm looking at your notes, and the, the, the two things at the top of your notes, your daily notes for the show, one's Tim Tebow, and one's the Browns and Aaron Rodgers. I think those go together. So we'll start with Tebow, but we're going to have one of these highfalutin think piece first segments. That sounds good to me. And it was <laughs> Tim Tebow in the news earlier today, last seen playing minor league baseball for the New York Mets, but he will be trying an NFL return reunited with his former college coach, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. He has signed a one-year deal with the Jags in an attempt to play tight end. So when you said last scene, you didn't see TMZ got him coming out of church Sunday? No, I must have missed it. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of T-boat out uh, after uh, whatever 2012 or whatever year it was. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So like six years hiatus or or, <laughs> or or 10 years, it wasn't enough, right? It, it, if if it was like, 20 years, maybe. It's like it's like Halloween 15 nights in a row. Like it's at a certain point, you're done with candy. And like your you teeth are rotted. Yeah, you're just not into it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. 
I was probably in an irrationally positive place with Tebow way back when. Because, you know, I've got typical guys that do what I do. And let's just say sports batters are going to be contrarian. And you want to be smart. And usually smart and contrarian go together because the public isn't particularly going to be that smart. Because by definition, the public's defining average. Right Now, the public today is so much smarter than the public 200 years ago. Right, 200 years ago or 300 years ago, people, vast majority, couldn't read across the world. So the average person today, it might be shocking, is a lot smarter than the average person 300 years ago. But average isn't going to win you anything, and thus you got to be better than average. But when the public is right, I don't know what to do because I want to go against the public. I want to be contrarian, but I want to be right. And I think with Tebow, I might have went a little contrarian, but I believed – and this will be why I think ja- then and why I think Jacksonville can benefit from him now, that there's something about having that guy in the locker room that you look over and it calms you. All right. Think about life. Right. Is And for people who had a good father growing up, a father you can count on and some do and some don't, is you look over and you're eight years old, 10 years old. Oh, dad's here. Well, fine. There's that feeling you have. And then there's other people you look over and you think, oh, my God, well, if he wasn't here, we'd be better off. Right. So there's different ways. I think Tebow, you look over at him. It's on the sidelines. And I think Tom Brady's an example of this even more so. But you might say Brady, he showed six Super Bowls and in the seven why you can count on him. But it's not about that because you've seen some really good players with a lot of Super Bowls. And here's maybe where Aaron Rodgers with the one comes in. Well, I think you look over at him and you think, man, he's good. But you're also going to think, think some other stuff. And when the chips are down, when it's the, the low point of the season, you look over at Aaron and you're thinking, oh, he's on tax. Maybe he's taxing some reporter or something that's going to cause trouble with the team. You look over at Brady and you're thinking, oh, look, he's focused on to Cincinnati. And that's where I think this comes together because as great as Aaron Rodgers is – he isn't Tim Tebow. Now, yeah. that sounds cra- – oh, go ahead, John. Well, no, I was just going to say, and I, and I think there's nothing bad that comes out of this signing for Jacksonville. Like, to me, it's only upside. I don't know if he can play tight end, but I don't see any sort of down portion to this story with, with bringing Tebow in. I, I, think, I think it's nothing but a positive for Jacksonville. And I think it shows that, that Urban Meyer is not afraid of the, the cameras. And maybe he wants the cameras. Jacksonville, I mean, now that they have the number one pick, and in a way it was anticlimactic. I think what this draft showed us is when you have certainty, it gets boring no matter how big it is. Because how much time did we talk about the number three pick that was uncertain? Yeah. Versus the one and the two, they were afterthoughts. How many times did we say Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, is, is the idea of those versus – Wilson, except Wilson was just a bit was as much, if not more, of a surprise. Meaning, who was talking about BYU's Wilson to be like the number two pick uh, a year ago? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, it, it was a shocker. But then you get a couple of days, weeks to get used to it. It becomes afterthought. It's boring, and then we're on to the next thing. And maybe Jacksonville's thinking, you know, you know, Urban Meyer loves Tebow. He played with him or coached him, obviously, at Florida. And they won a lot of Florida. And he's thinking, hey, it's almost like maybe the worst case if he's an assistant coach, effectively, like an assistant kind of spiritual advisor. 
And you don't want to take up a roster spot with that. But if they hired him as a spiritual advisor, Tebow, I think it was a good decision, right? How would you feel about that if they had done that instead of the tight end? Yeah, I mean, either way, I just the, the one thing you can say about him, and a lot of people get a little bit put off by you know the the religious stuff, and I get all that. It can be a bit much, but. You never heard anybody say he's a bad guy. Everybody you've talked to, he's a good dude. So he rubs people the wrong way, not for being a bad person, but maybe they get a little tired of the Tebow conversation or the tired of the Tebow topic from back in the day. Any any role that he's going to be put in, I think he's going to help. And I think his familiarity with Urban Meyer and also the fact that, look, Taysom Hill, there's a lot of similarities between Taysom Hill and, mm. and Tim Tebow. So, Seeing jo- that if you work, don't mind, let, yeah. let me jump in on the religious part a second, then we'll get the, on the field. Yeah. It's funny because it wasn't that long ago in this country, if you weren't religious, it was the problem, right? Where, I mean, was it all the way into the 60s? That, you know, and even to this day, every presidential candidate, if they've been in a church or not in the last six months, is always going to be God bless America. There's certain contingents in the country, groups of people that believe certain things that you, you better. You're never going to win the presidency coming out against religion, coming out against the military. There's these certain things. But in a weird way, it's reversed itself. It seems like so much that if, because let me ask you, because I, 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 we never talked about Tebow. I heard it a little bit in your voice that, like you said, a bit much with religion. What is it that he does that, or did in the past or does Tebow that puts you off? Because it seems like if a person is uh, embracing their own faith, no reasonable person is going to have a problem with that. But they don't like it if it's being shoved in there. Do you feel like he's getting shoved in your face, or what, what is it about that? No, no, it w- wasn't me. Like I don't. He can do whatever he wants. I, I don't care. But I think uh, there was a big pushback on Tebow because one, it, it felt there were people that, and I remember doing sports radio at the time when Tebow was in his highest point, and it just felt like. It was the thing to talk about was Tim Tebow, and you were going to generate a reaction. And there were a lot of people that felt like he was a little bit in your face with the religious stuff. I didn't care to each his own. If that's what he felt, that's what he felt. But there were a lot of people who just said, look, we don't need to be – we don't need it in our face. We don't need it shoved in our face constantly. And I think that's where sort of the resentment towards him came from, from yeah. a lot of people. So. So not saying you judged it, but if you would be the advocate of the position that it was too much, what would you say? What would be your evidence, number one, meaning not a given day, but the fact that he always says this, like, what was it from those people? And I know that it wasn't your thoughts, but you were there on the scene because I, I never got a good feel for that. If Because to me, what I don't like is I don't like when they talk about, you know, praise God in a way that feels like they're not even thinking about it. It's like something sometimes I think that uh, their um, uh, PR agent told him to say and then it feels like what's the point you're wasting our time but with someone that has genuine beliefs and they're sharing those but not overdoing it to me i respect that it what do you think was it just some people are so anti-religion any mention of it's going to make them mad or do you think that something tebow did was a little egregious though you didn't think so they did and yeah, I mean, he just, I, I think people, when it comes to religion and politics, if you start giving your side of it, 
there are certain people that just get it away from me. Like, I, I don't want to be pre, they felt like it was preaching. They felt mm-hmm. like, like, I don't, and I, and I think that's normal in every walk of life. And I think that was a lot of what people had an issue with is, it's just like, we get it, man. You, you're, you're very religious. We got all that, but it doesn't have to be a part of every interview, even though that's his core value. That's, that's his baseline. That's who he is. It's still put off a lot of people. That's Jonas Songs. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. You know, <laughs> reminds me of the Nicholson line. God doesn't run the bingo in this diocese anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is, so I w- grew up Catholic and my mom's a you know very active Catholic. And uh, one of the things in our small town with 4,000 people when I was growing up in Ohio was they had the St. Mary's Festival, which was like every s- uh, summer in August, usually, there'd be like a three-day chickens getting cooked on the open spit. Now, but they had in the back room was a dice game, right? And it was rolling two dice. And I don't know who invented this game. If it fell seven, they took all the money. <laughs> or you could bet under or over. So it was the greatest scoop area for the house you could ever. I mean, it was a, you couldn't play in there for <laughs> 10 minutes and not get crushed. But people had such a, you know, this would have been in the early 90s or even late 80s. They had a hankering for the action. They made a lot of money on that dice oh, yeah. game, let me tell you. <laughs> but, but at least, you know, at least they didn't have to pay taxes on it. So <laughs> I, I see why, you know, you can see both sides of it. And, yeah. and, and I'll tell you this. To some degree, the religious people maybe deserve a little heat in that there was a time when it was so dominant that it felt like if you weren't, and again, I wasn't around for that, but as you read back, it felt like that they were, I don't want to say persecuting, but they were going out and saying, oh, that person's doing something wrong. And I, you know, I hate, to me, America is about do your thing, don't hurt anyone else, right? And I don't care if it's the church saying, whatever church, hey, you're doing something wrong, boo-hoo or boo on you. I don't like that. But I also don't like the idea that us, let's say they're more secular, saying, oh, look, that person's religious. You shouldn't do that because that's doing the same thing we didn't, the other yeah. people didn't like. So to me, it's always ironic when it swings back around. I, I'm not saying Tebow hasn't had moments that, that, that he maybe pushed it too much. I don't know. I don't remember those. But I do think it's an interesting commentary on society that the idea of one of the few guys that was really outward, at least big names, with his religious beliefs, that there is any pushback, any blowback, tells you, I think, how much we've changed as a country in the last 20 years. Now, you can think that's good or bad, but it's been a major change. Last word on that. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm curious to see how the coverage of Tim Tebow is now all these years later uh, from an NFL standpoint. We know how he was covered when it came to baseball or college football, but now that he's back in the league potentially and, and back part of the conversation, I'm curious to see how he's viewed and how he's covered this time around. I think it'll be fun to watch. And we're going to take our first break, but it's kind of interesting that the last team Tebow was on the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, is the Patriots. So the greatest coach of all time said, you know, there's nothing we can do with this guy and cut him. Now, has he gotten better since? I don't think so. (laughs) So when we come back, we'll talk about is there something on the field that could really help the Jags? And I'm going to give you a stat about Tebow as a quarterback. He's the only quarterback ever to not play after doing this well. You're going to be shocked if you really think of how well he did and the fact he never took another snap. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And I tell you, we've been going through the stats, Jonas. We've got a hot quarterback 
I'm going to do a blind resume and see how excited people are about this quarterback. It's a it's a great – what are you laughing at? It's a great day to join us. This is the Fastest Growing Show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support, and we're going to work extra hard to keep the winners coming, as they say, right here. And you can listen to us on the – let's go, go terrestrial. We have 225 stations across the country, and you can go to foxsportsradio.com, see the one nearest you, and you can actually listen at foxsportsradio.com on stream right here in Vegas on the Strip, 87 degrees. The neon is pumping. So, RJ, Tim Tebow is back in the NFL. At least he signed a contract to be so this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He will attempt to play tight end, reuniting with his former college coach, Urban Meyer. Yeah, so now the question is this. Everyone sees Tebow and the team uh, cohesion element, that he does seem to bring a team together. And I believe that is often about... Do you believe in that person? Do you think he's going to be there when the chips are down, when the bullets are flying? And Tebow engenders that in people. You can like the religious stuff. You cannot like it. But I think the thing in the NFL I never understood until Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, former GM for the Browns, said that these guys don't care anything about anything, the players, other than can you help me get better? Because he was using Lombardi, an example of when Belichick was young with the Giants. He was young. He started in, I think it was 77 with Tampa Bay. And, you know, his dad was a scout, Belichick. So he got a, a chance to start at least at a low level, very young. And now you got Lawrence Taylor, the, you know, the most famous, I don't care about what the rules are guy maybe ever in the league. And he was above the rules. You know, Parcel said it, uh, you know, team rules is, hey, that's Lawrence Taylor. He can do what he wants. I mean, he's that, he was that good. And if you're younger and you and the whole blindside stuff literally came from LT. They were afraid of him coming around and like, crushing their quarterback. And <laughs> you look at Belichick yelling at those guys, Harry Carson and the other guys, and it's like he's, you know, 30 years old. <laughs> and you know what? They didn't care because this guy could help them get better. And they might, you know, other athletes might agree with Tebow's religious beliefs or political beliefs. It doesn't matter. Is If Tebow's going to give them a sense at any given time, if it was Florida, if it's Denver, if the, he's going to give them a good feeling, he's going to give them confidence, they're going to want him there. And if you look at the end of Tebow's run at Denver, it's almost shocking that he never got another chance. And if you really think about it, I was going to do a blind resume, but I kind of gave the joke away. I'm going to talk about Tebow right now, but not as if he was a failure, but as if we were coming into the next season after that one season that he quarterbacked. He was 24 years old that season, was a first-round pick, and he was starting to come into his own. That's a fair way to say it. And he won seven of the last nine games before the playoff loss. Hey, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're going to lose the last game. So seven of nine, won a playoff game as a touchdown-plus underdog against the Steelers. Now, that sounds like Baker Mayfield almost. right? Won a lot. He didn't win seven of, seven of nine, but he was worse than that. But he won a majority of games down the stretch. He won a playoff game. And then they lost the next round. Well, how is the optimism about Baker Mayfield right now? First round pick, coming into his own. Sounds like Tebow, doesn't it? Yeah. Tebow never took another snap. Not, not a single snap. 
So here, there's two ways to look at this. One is, RJ, that tells you how bad Tebow really was. You know what? I think that's true. If you look at his QBR, QBR for Tebow, his one season as a starter was 40. Okay, that's bad. And that 40 actually would put him at the very bottom of the league. So on one hand, he's not a very good quarterback. He wasn't, Tebow. On the other hand, his team won. Is that a coincidence? Could be. I don't think so. It could be a coincidence that Tom Brady's been around a bunch of winning tight ends, not named Gronk, <laughs> but, you know, we just don't know their name. But if it wasn't for that guy, and maybe. But it strikes me that on one hand, if you make the case Tebow wasn't a good quarterback, then you're also making the case that he was something else that was important to winning. And thus, if Jacksonville got that, and they don't have to deal with him as a quarterback, <laughs> sounds like the best win of them all. I don't think people realize when you damn him as a quarterback, no pun intended, you're kind of exalting him, Tebow, as something else. Oh, by the way, for the Sam Darnold haters out there, because I'm the head of the fan club, <laughs> if you actually look at how much Tebow was below average to the rest of the league, QBR, it was by less than Sam Darnold was last year. <laughs> so effectively, by how much worse than average was Tim Tebow as a quarterback who won seven in the last nine before the playoff loss? Well, he was way worse than average, but by less than how bad Sam Darnold is worse than average. But Darnold is getting not a, uh, run out of the league, but traded a new team, doesn't want any competition, so they trade away Teddy Bridgewater. They guarantee his fifth year. I don't know who he got pictures of, but this <laughs> Sam Darnold thing. But so swinging it back, Jonas. Any any topic that I kind of ran through uh, thoughts? Yeah, well, the um, it's funny. I've talked to Bucky Brooks about this, and he's because he's a former scout in the NFL and, and was a player, was dra- second round draft pick, and, and now does um, analyst work here at Fox Sports Radio and, and and Fox and NFL Network and all that. And he's told me that this is a real thing in the scouting community that. Sometimes people fall in love with a player and they only see that player as the player they fall they fell in love with. Even after they've gotten new information, even after they've seen him and actually seen him in the league and see him play for a couple of years, they still go back to who that player was when they saw him first. And it feels like there was a lot of people who really still hold on to that Sam Darnold evaluation from when they first saw him and, and refuse to acknowledge the new information. And it also feels like on the flip side, there were a lot of people who didn't see Tim Tebow as a real NFL quarterback when he came in, and they've not been able to let that go, except Urban Meyer, the guy who recruited him and wanted him, he's the guy that ended up bringing him back. And maybe, though, it's Urban Meyer is the one that's got the outdated. Maybe. It, it could be. Yeah. Because, because let's be honest, when Belichick, Josh McDaniel is the crazy person, quote unquote, that drafted Tebow in the first round. Yeah. Right. At Denver. So you hear this all the time. Oh, if Tebow wasn't taken there, he might have been fourth round. You know, if it wasn't for Denver. I don't know. Right. But what I know is. If you said who's the five most talented offensive minds in football, not just coordinators, but like counting head coaches, whatever, I think McDaniels probably makes that list. Yeah. Right? It certainly makes the top ten. So if one of the ten greatest offensive minds in – now, some say I have a great offensive mind, but I offend people. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you have the, one of the ten great offensive minds in – the entire world 
said, Tim Tebow, I'm going to pick him before anyone thinks he should be picked because he's that good. Yeah, but I, McDaniels was there when they cut him, too. So, obviously, there was a reevaluation. And since he's not playing quarterback, Tebow, that's not the plan. Though, remember, it's kind of interesting. One of the things that a lot of futuristic people believe is we're going to have two quarterback setups here before too long. So, imagine you had a very mobile quarterback that could play tight end, but also quarterback. Like, the, you know, with the Saints, as you said. Or yeah. Now, is imagine if, like, four plays a game, you got the hands in, and it's a run-pass option into a Tebow. And it's not him as the quarterback, like in the Wildcat, but literally it's another quarterback, hands it to him or throws it to him. You could have four or five plays a game that not only do very well, but they would make you cover that possibility. And it's like the run-pass option. It's not so much when they run that it's that important. It's that they got to cover the run that makes the numbers come to their advantage. It seems like Tebow would be a, a perfect example of a guy that throwing is secondary, but if he's only doing it once or twice a game and he can do something else like play tight end, that gets interesting. And I also think it's worth noting that Tebow's probably more open-minded to the idea of playing tight end now than he was back then. And I can't blame him. To your point, he had success in the NFL as a quarterback, and then all of a sudden we're telling him, hey, man, you're not a quarterback anymore. And so he just went and tried baseball, and, and he has, had a successful run as an analyst uh, at ESPN covering college football. I think he's looking at this now going, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, like, and back then I wasn't open to the idea, but I am open to the idea now. And maybe that's why this is all coming together like it is. And comfortable with Urban Meyer. Yeah. I mean, I've never given Urban Meyer a ton of love. As an Ohio State alum, I love that we won. Um, you know, I was kind of mad. I was at the game when Florida beat Ohio State. Uh, Tebow's, I guess that would have been his senior year uh, for the national championship. I, maybe I hold a grudge, but the, <laughs> that, that was the one that was the kick return to start the game. You might remember. And it's oh, like the, the Ted Ginn. Ted yeah, Ginn Jr. Yeah. yeah. And then from there it went downhill, let me tell you. But <laughs> the, I, I think another interesting element, because we talked about religious uh, perspectives and how there's a pushback in society today. I think politically, this is interesting, too, in that here's Tebow, and you think a religious, religious right, and I think part of this was he would have gotten a back. He was certainly coming off that seven out of nine run. He was certainly one of the 64 best quarterbacks. I say everyone with a backup, right? Two teams or two quarterbacks per team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know who else was one of the best 64 at some point? Kaepernick. Yeah. Why didn't they want Kaepernick? Well, this theory is, maybe this isn't correct, is for a backup quarterback, and Colin coined the phrase, you don't want a celebrity backup. And I think he's right about that. That's a great way to think about it. You don't want the guy who's the backup to your quarterback getting more attention in, in the press conference because it just distracts the team in theory. Tebow yeah. was the same thing, right? Now, people that are fans of Tebow is going to say that wasn't it. They discriminated against his religion. Maybe. And the Kaepernick and the people on the left will say, oh, they discriminated against his political belief. Maybe. But I think in the NFL, they'll do about anything if it wins. They don't care. It's just, is the cost of it worth it? And with Tebow, there was an ancillary cost. There was kind of a surcharge, which was a bunch of attention. And that was something these teams didn't want in a backup quarterback. Do you think that played a major role in Tebow not even getting another chance at quarterback? Yeah, I just I think the backup quarterback role is a unique spot to where you're there in case 
not there to be the story. And and if something happens, we need you, and 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 it's good. But you don't see a lot of really, like like Colin put it, you know, celebrity backup quarterbacks. I've always felt, look, Johnny Manziel would have been a terrible backup quarterback because mm-hmm. that guy was a rock star coming out of college. We can say what we want about him, but that year he had at Texas A and M was unbelievable, and he was he was talked about a lot when he got to the NFL. Uh, Jay Cutler, I don't think would be a backup quarterback. I don't think it would work because of all the stuff that surrounds him. Just like I don't think Rodgers would be a backup quarterback. I just think there are certain guys that carry themselves with a certain presence. Kaepernick, Tebow, to name a couple more that I don't believe would be the best thing for a football team as far as having a backup quarterback just because that doesn't need to be the story the story should be the starter and if you remember when what was it Tebow ran out onto onto the practice field what was he shirtless or something like that and that was a story when he was with the Jets like it was just always something that had nothing to do with the actual game and coaches don't want to deal with it and I blame the media, Jonas. And since you're yeah. the representative of the media on this show. That was me. <laughs> All right. So the only thing I would say, and we're going to see what's trending. The only thing I would say is this. I think you might have conflated two things there. And I'll let you respond real quick here. Is I think the, the character or the nature, the personality of the quarterback, some are suited for backup, some aren't. And then there's the outsider's attention that they might have nothing to do with. Meaning, yeah. I think Cap. I don't know if Kaepernick would have been a good backup quarterback as a person. I know he would have gotten the attention regardless of that. So that was the problem. And then I think with other guys like a Cutler, it's going to be more personality driven. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Awesome. So we've talked about Tebow. Now the flip side of this think piece of a show, Aaron Rodgers. So... I think it is beyond debate, and when people debate the things that are obvious, it means they don't want to get into the heart of it. And, Jonas, you're not like that, so let's keep it real simple. Aaron Rodgers, tell me if you agree, has underperformed when it comes to Super Bowls and playoff success, to be quite frank. Uh, Agreed. Okay. We can debate. He's still one of the top blah, 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 three. Yeah, you're right. But based on how good he his potential, let's say his talent, he's underperformed. His teams have. I think we also agree that a quarterback, especially more than any other player in any other team in American sports, affects the team outside of what he does on the field. Tom Brady this year being a great example of that. And I think, Jonas, every my sense of Aaron Rodgers is one that he doesn't connect with his teammates in the same way a Tom Brady does. Yeah, no, I think I think that's uh, and and that's been former teammates have said so such things. So yeah, yeah, I agree. And what we'll do is because I think this brings up a great point because the question is if you're the Browns, do you would you trade or somehow get in Rodgers and Mayfield not be the starter, whatever that scenario would be. And you might say, they just said today they aren't going to do that. Yeah, that's the point. The fact they're saying it means they're covering up and trying to put, in my opinion, going to put a dot the I's and cross the T's that to whatever degree they explored it, they don't want it to come back and bite them down the road. That's why you're hearing about it now, I think. So when we come back, we're going to get into the idea of if Tebow is a positive potentially for an NFL locker room beyond what he does on the field. Is Aaron Rodgers actually a negative, and is that the reason he's underperformed so much over the years? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You know, I think the marketplace is so fascinating 
when it comes to this. And the Denver Broncos are a good example. Denver was a team that I thought was being underrated a couple weeks ago. And I made a nice size bet on over wins, seven and a half on the season. Then the draft happens, and I think one of the more curious picks, and I'm going to say that with some negativity, was Denver taking the second cornerback on the board with the ninth pick when there was two of the top five quarterbacks left. Cornerback versus quarterback. In the NFL, you got to get the quarterback right. And cornerbacks are nice, but to me, to not take, and I think Fields would have been the pick there probably, to not take Fields. But with the talent around Denver right now, you'd have to say that even you know a guy that would have been more ready maybe initially, Mac Jones, would have been a good pick. Then what I saw was, wait a minute, Denver's win total went from 7.5 to 9. I did two things. Now, this is right after the draft. One is I put an order in to buy under 9. I'm just going for the middle. 7.5, 9. If it falls 8, I win both the bets, Jonas. If it falls 9, I win one of the bets. I like it. Then I can forget about Denver, at least till the season. But then I looked and tried to figure out why it was 9, and I kind of knew. Aaron Rodgers is he is the you know Denver's the favorite right now to land Rodgers, uh, though Green Bay is a bigger favorite to keep him. So McKenzie, with the updated odds imputed to percentages, and by the way, let's keep account on these words because we can maybe eliminate some of the other stuff. What is the current uh, chance of Aaron Rodgers staying with Green Bay, going to Denver? Just give me the overview. Fifty-five percent he stays in Green Bay. About 30% that he goes to Denver. Any other team is the rest of the pie. So you're saying it's it's not 30% to Denver if he leaves Green Bay. You're saying it's 30% of all possibilities. Yes. Okay. Jonas, this is an example where the betting market was so far ahead of the news reporting. Because I had yet to hear too much about Denver. I mean, it was on the lips of people with the Raiders and as the destination, but the idea that their win total jumped up from seven and a half to nine almost instantly, yeah. and now it looks like that that move was at least ahead of the things because Denver seems to be growing in chance now, and the media is finally catching up. What's your thoughts? Well, because we've seen this before, to where there'll be some news that'll come out and bets will be taken off the board. You know, like whether it's you know a, a player's in the news, he could be he could be leaving or he could be uh, going somewhere, and they'll take bets off the board because they don't want to get burned. They didn't do that here. They just adjusted the number right away, seemingly, and then that's where people started to figure out, okay, maybe this is a legitimate possibility. There was no, and I'm trying to think of the bet that happened not that long ago where there was a similar situation with a player, and all bets were taken off the board. And yeah. So, and the fact they didn't do that here tells me that they must have gotten some pretty good information to to be able to adjust the number that quick you know that's an example i think where the bookies have good pr agents now i again try personally to go against that in the establish the cockroach <laughs> brand i don't think the pr agent wants that but what happened is remember and you know this every different sports book does things potentially differently some had the had the denver's win total for the season off the board others had it off the board then had it up quick others didn't take it down so in general but here's where I think you're maybe giving the bookies too much credit. The bookies don't know much more than, you know, I would say you give me any given good better knows more than the bookie. But the bookies have the vig on their side. They don't have to know as much. You just have to know more by a great amount to overcome the vig. 
And it's not so much that the bookies knew anything, I think. It's the betters who maybe had some inside information about how op- optimistic Denver was or whatever. They bet and it moves the line. So that's the opinion that you see in the line is the collective opinion of the world, but with it weighted towards who's willing to make the biggest bets. Well, who makes the biggest bets? It's going to be someone that knows something. So typically, I think that Denver sharpness of that number showing that there's a real chance of Aaron Rodgers going there and the win total being up to nine. And it's eight and a half now, so it's kind of pulled back. But still, Denver is the leader in the clubhouse to land Rodgers. The betting market is shown is that, but still it's a better chance of Green Bay keeping them by a smidge, and it brings up to closed full circle here, is the idea that Aaron Rodgers is great, he's the reigning MVP, but he doesn't win as much as possible because he's no, or as he could because he's no Tim Tebow. <laughs> I did the whole show just for that line. No. Let's do the NBA real. Let's give, let's give McKenzie his time. Alright, McKenzie, go ahead. All right, NBA story time. number one. Steph Curry has the scoring title on his mind. He needed 22 to pass Bradley Beal of the Wizards. He got that in the first quarter on his way to 50 points in three quarters. Now, I think this is a good one. I I passed this one is because over under points, it's all about how motivated the player is to get a lot of points because that's not always the best way to win. I think you got to look over and I know the market knows this, but don't I think at minimum don't bet the unders on Curry because he's trying to score heavy. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, and I also uh, did. Steph, has Steph Curry ever won a scoring title? I don't think he has. I don't I think he if has. The, yeah, I wonder if this was one of those. Well, I've never done that before. So while I'm here, why don't I just try and take advantage of it? You know, a couple weekends in Vegas, I had said the same <laughs> thing, but that was something different. All right, McKenzie, you got one more. You got thirty seconds. The Atlanta Hawks are currently tied with the Heat. They need to get the sixth, the fourth seed. They have about a five percent chance of beating the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't see it happen. They would be a favorite if they get that fifth seed over the Knicks. Okay, so the theory is. The Hawks know they're not going to necessarily win a title, but they'd like to win a playoff round. If they play against the Bucks, hardly any chance. Play against the Knicks, they have a heck of a chance. That's their motivation to get the better seed now is higher than some of the teams that don't have as much motivation. So look to play on Atlanta. 